everybody. This is Alex. And I'm Briley, and you're listening to Financing Ambition, a Laurel Road podcast. Today, we'd like to welcome Lauren Herpick, founder and owner of the food tour company Local Food Adventures in Oakland, California, and Rob Burns, president of East Midtown Partnerships, a business improvement district here in Manhattan. We're really excited to speak with Lauren and Rob today, uh, two members of the small business community who have really felt the impacts of the pandemic and have been doing some really interesting things. So without further ado, let's get into it. So Lauren, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, and can you give us the short story of where you came from and where you are now? So I have been giving food tours in Oakland and the East Bay area of San Francisco for the past five years. Um, I started my food tour career as a campus tour guide. And then when I was a student um, getting my master's, I had found a part-time job um, with a food tour company in downtown Chicago. So I absolutely loved it. It was a great way to pay the rent. Um, When my husband and I, we moved out to the Bay Area in 2013, I was doing consulting out of our tiny apartment, working by myself. And I always like to say, I hope in the tone of my voice, you can hear that I like people way too much to work by myself all the time. So every day I would take my reusable bag down College Avenue in Oakland and I would pick up stuff for lunch, stuff for dinner. And I literally got to meet all the shop owners um, and restaurateurs. And one day we were out with friends and they said, oh yeah, you know, we took this really cool food tour last weekend. You know, my husband turned around and said, you know, Lauren, you love giving food tours. Why don't you just start a food tour for fun? And it was a great way to really get more ingrained with the community. Um, I looked at it also as a way to help um, the small businesses that I worked with. So great business to have, too, because I'm also a working mom. So I'm able to do this working out of my house. And it's just been awesome. Um, And then 2020 happened and um, the Crown Princess cruise ship decided to dock in the port of Oakland and everything kind of came to a halt. I knew that we weren't going to be able to do tours anymore, but I wanted to keep the tour going. And so I created a food tour in a box. It's a collection of favorites that you'll find on many of my tours and anybody all around the country can enjoy a little taste of Oakland and the East Bay. Lauren, I I really love that you just, you turned what you loved to do into what you've just said is, quote, your real job. It's super inspiring. But Rob, you're here in the epicenter of New York City with us. Can you tell us about your background and how COVID has impacted your world? I've been an economic development professional for 40 years now. I've led the East Midtown Partnerships since it was founded in 2002. It is the eighth largest business improvement district in New York City. If you don't know what a business improvement district is, it's a uh, it's a geographic uh, entity set in statute where the property owners have agreed to assess themselves for the provision of additional services, uh, for marketing, for beautification, uh, supplemental services, sanitation, for instance, security. Uh, my district covers uh, all or part of 48 blocks of Midtown Manhattan. We have thousands of professional offices, more than 800 storefronts. Uh, it's a major commercial hub uh, internationally. Unfortunately, of course, now many of those uh, businesses have been closed for months. My focus has now been trying to to keep what the businesses that are still out there, roughly 20%, about 160 of 800 storefronts. I'm trying to keep them alive. I'm trying to help pave the way to uh, 
for reopening for those that are starting to come back. Mm -hmm. I also, by the way, uh, this has been tough. I mean, I've been home. I left the office on March 20th, turned the key, came home to New Jersey, where I overlook Manhattan. Um, and I haven't uh, been back to the city since. Uh, so I'm adapting. I have learned how to do all our banking remotely. I've learned how to access the phones remotely. <laughs> all the little things I never thought I'd have to learn. And I managed to get through 61 years without ever owning a bandana. And today I have 12. <laughs> yeah, I would say that mask innovation is one of the most fascinating things that has come out of this uh, this pandemic. Yeah. Um, Lauren, you mentioned that the Diamond Princess arrival in Oakland was one of the things that really started the uh, big shifts in the way businesses are running in your city. Can you share a little bit more about how that day affected your business? Yeah, I mean, the princess cruise line had been out in the San Francisco Bay just past the Golden Gate Bridge for about two weeks. And so it kind of, you had this looming feeling of, okay, something's happening. And just before the day that they announced that it was going to be parked in the Port of Oakland, I had booked probably one of my largest tours that I have ever had. I was expecting a total of 50 people. They were going to be doing a conference and they wanted just to do something fun and different. And so, you know, just getting the calls from people who had already booked the organizers of all these private tours, just saying, are, are we comfortable? What do you think? And then finally, it just turned around and I, I just said, listen, I'm not comfortable with this. We're working with my restaurants as well, because, you know, listen, I have great partnerships with restaurants and they're a big part of the experience. So what are they comfortable with too? So we just decided that we would just kind of put things on hold. And the nice thing is for those smaller groups that we had with a lot of local businesses, you know, they were willing to let me hold on to their deposit. So it was really nice to see people just saying, you know what, we feel like you're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. And when we're all more comfortable, we'll be able to be together again soon. That's, that's a really um, amazing thing to hear that, that you had established such rapport uh, with your community that you all sort of knew that you'd weather the storm together and come out on the other side. And I, I will say icing on the cake, though, was that some of those groups that they were supposed to come and do a tour when I launched the Local Love gift box, they actually wound up purchasing boxes for the people who were supposed to be coming on our tour. Oh, isn't that great? Awesome. I love it. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. So, Lauren, we wanted to get into and understand more about the impact on your business and the industry overall. Can you tell us how you've been working together to really evolve and adapt with the, the current situation that we're in? So I think just like food, food brings people together. And so I am so fortunate to be part of an amazing community of food tour operators all around the world. And so one of the things that um, happened right away was a conference that we pretty much all go to every year, started putting together webinars. There's a group of us in San Francisco that we were getting on calls together just to talk and just share ideas. And one of the ideas that came up real quickly um, out of Seattle was sort of a meal delivery service. And so I think just by a stroke of luck, I was watching TV one night and I saw a commercial that said, you know, order yours by Mother's Day. I don't even remember what the item was. And I said, you know what? That's what I can do. I can put my food tour in a box. And so um, I reached out immediately to all of my tour stops 
and I said, you know, hey, Amphora Nueva, I want to put your olive oil in my box. And hey, Market Hall Foods, can we get some pasta? And Everett and Jones, let's do some barbecue sauce. And what was amazing about that was that, you know, not only when people buy the box, are they supporting my business, but with giving my food tour partners um, income as well. And, you know, one thing that I've done from my very first tour is I always give a dollar from every guest that comes on my tour to the Alameda County Community Food Bank. So, you know, with the boxes, I was able to continue that commitment to them. And then I also added another dollar donation for each box to a new nonprofit organization called East Bay Feeder, which is um, in the network of Chef Jose Andres's World Central Kitchen. They are buying meals from restaurants at full price and that they're providing meals for first responders at five East Bay hospitals. That is so, so great to hear. And I've found personally cooking has been uh, a bit of a journey for me and, and a soothing experience. So I love what you're doing here. You know, I had this idea for a gift box. You know, I'll be honest with you, probably three years ago, I wanted to do something around the holidays. And I just didn't have the bandwidth and I'm not doing any tours. So I have a little bit more time on my hand, but I do think that it would not have been as successful had I launched three years ago because people really have opened up their hearts um, and their wallets. So the, the, the response has been overwhelming. So Rob, since we're on the subject, tell us about what sort of outside of the box thinking have you seen from some of these businesses in your district? And what sort of hand has your partnership had in getting them back up and running? Sure. Uh, When the governor announced that all restaurants were going to close, nobody had much of a time to react, frankly. But some restaurants decided to hang in there. So that was the main thing I had to push because, first of all, of course, food and dining is a major component of the New York City economy. Secondly, people still have to eat. Um, first thing I did is I built a page on our website and I started listing every restaurant that was offering takeout and delivery. So, and thank God for social media, if this had happened 25 years ago, I don't know what we would be doing, but, um, we were able to utilize that to promote those few restaurants that were actively out there delivering or offering takeout food in the last few weeks as more PPP money is becoming available more restaurants are starting to uh, are open. So, you know, we're getting the word out there even more. Um, And they're starting, you know, the weather's getting nicer and uh, people are out on the streets. And so the state liquor authority has allowed drinks to go for the first time. And so, uh, you know, we're promoting that. We're promoting the purchase of gift cards to help keep some businesses solvent. Um, One of the things I've been doing is I've started to record a series of interviews with uh, local business people mostly and then air them on social media. I mean, you have to we have to be a little creative. It's really all about setting the pace for the future, because eventually, if they can hang on, these businesses will reopen. And, you know, this is a way to keep their customer base engaged. Rob, can you tell us what New Yorkers can do to um, help your businesses through this time? In the case of restaurants, order directly from the restaurant, first of all, and not through third-party delivery services, because some of these delivery services were getting 30% uh, and, and also charging to process a phone call, even if there, no order was ever placed. So, uh, so and by patronizing all local businesses, there's all these mom-and-pop stores around the area. 
that most of them have websites. And so, uh, you know, that's what they can do right now. Just remember that the money you spend today will help keep a vibrant uh, street life and make every commercial area special. That's a really wonderful call to action for people to call up the little guy directly because you get the same service and you're going to give a lot more back that way. So, Rob, in your introductory email to me, you spoke of a steep learning curve educating the businesses in your district on federal stimulus programs. Have they been particularly helpful? They are well-intentioned, and I can see how outside of New York they would have been more beneficial to the small businesses than they've been to my businesses. Um, there was a little confusion there. I was dealing with businesses that were just not clear, incomplete applications, a lot of questions. And, you know, it was hard to follow up because people were really rapidly closing their doors. Um, and that was in the first round of PPP. Eventually, it came for a lot of the businesses. Uh, and, and here's the problem. At least 75% of that loan has to be used for payroll. Um, and it has to be used within a certain window. When it was created, it might have been realistic to think in a few months, we're going to be back to normal. So this is a great bridge. Well, the fact is, it's not happening in New York, which means those loans that should convert to grants are actually going to end up be maintained as loans unless they give the money back. Um, the other problem is in New York City, with rent so high, that means that all the other operating expenses have to come from another source. Um, you know, I get it. It's all about payroll protection. So, yeah, you know, that's somewhat to be expected. Problem is, though, if you're paying, I don't know, $25,000 a month rent, it's, it's out of whack here. So a lot of my businesses are finding it very hard to see a way forward to keeping the money, um, which is unfortunate because many are running the businesses at a loss to keep their people on. I think a lot about how this pandemic may have affected the most vulnerable amongst us. What has it been like caring for the homeless in your community? Um, we've had a homeless outreach program since November 2002. We brought more than 800 people uh, off the streets into transitional housing, into rehabilitative programs. We also had a... Um, for our, our, our sanitation program, which is quite extensive, we contract with a workforce training program. Um, the, the, the people that we contract with are all formerly incarcerated, and many have uh, been homeless. Um, so, I mean, this is a problem. The people that are choosing to stay on the streets right now are the chronic homeless that are the most resistant to coming off the streets. And yeah, our, our teens have been out there. Uh, throughout this, uh, we know our local homeless community. Really, every contact has to be individually tailored. Um, so we're still at it. That sounds like a, a unfathomably challenging situation, and yet uh, there is an advocate for those people in the in the form of your partnership, and, and that's a that's a pretty remarkable thing. We 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 never give up. Okay, uh, as long as there's one homeless person out there. We will be in contact with that person as often as we can. That's great. It's great to hear. So just to wrap things up, we'd love to hear your takeaways and learnings and any maybe silver linings. So Lauren, what advice would you give other affected businesses 
And I think my biggest takeaway is just always look at the long game. This is not going to be forever. Um, what I love right now is I now have a product that's going to outlast COVID. When my tours get back, if you were not from the Bay Area and you had such a great time on my tour, why not have a box of all the goodies that you enjoyed and have it when you get back home? And I'll be honest, from a personal standpoint, too, this has allowed my family and I to spend more time together. You know, our bedroom and our house looks more like a fulfillment center than it does a house right now. Um, but it's worth it. Um, and what I love, too, is that, you know, we have a lot of restaurants now that they've kind of gotten into the gift box effort, too. I mean, we did a picnic box and we had a picnic in our backyard and it was a great way of supporting them. And I think any business out there, just just think out, think outside the box and, you know, come up with something that really works for you. I love that. Would that work for a slogan for your company? It's the box that thinks outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, I think I can have a t-shirt made with that one on it. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob, could you share any positive takeaways from this time and any ways that you've seen businesses bouncing back, persevering, and any advice you have for those who can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? What, what this experience has shown us is that people, both individuals and as business people, um, they've been looking out for each other. You've seen clips from New York City of people banging pots and pans at seven o'clock to thank that frontline workers. I have numerous restaurants that have served thousands of meals to those workers. Um, and better yet, though, they're teaming up. Uh, people are learning to collaborate. I have a whole team of little old ladies from the neighborhood who email me about openings and closings because they know I can't get in. Um, and, you know, we are a business improvement district, but we are one of 76 in the city. And all of us have been working together to look at best practices for reopening, how to stay safe, how to work from home. You know, there's not a whole lot we could have done to not be at this stage. But the fact is that we're making the best of it and we're looking at how to move forward. Great to hear. Thank you both so much for coming on today. And we really appreciate both of your perspectives. And thank you again. Thanks for having me. Thank you all. That was such a great conversation with Lauren and Rob. Um, I am just amazed by both of their resilience in this environment. Just speaking to kind of Lauren's experience, way to make lemonade. She overnight lost the business as she knows it. And so she pivoted into something that she's always wanted to do. Also creating business for all these restaurants that are, are not allowed to be open right now. Well, I 100% agree. That was a really remarkably innovative and, and clever thing on her behalf. So kudos to her for that. I was very impressed by just Rob's sort of practical, rational approach to getting his businesses up to speed on ways that they can sort of stay alive and stay viable during this time. Hearing about how he is a true advocate for his businesses. And it's wonderful to know that the city has champions like that. Yes, I totally agree with you, Alex. And, and I love Rob's advice about how we can all support small businesses, whether you're in Manhattan or anywhere in this country. We would love to hear from you if you're a small business owner or if you have a passion for small business owners. Please feel free to share your story with us at podcast at laurelroad.com. That's podcast at laurelroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
Now, let's get the legal out of the way. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of KeyBank. In providing this information, KeyBank is not acting as your agent or is not offering any tax, financial, accounting, or legal advice. Lowell Road is a brand of KeyBank NA, member FDIC, and equal housing lender, NMLS number 399797.